Welcome to Harp Song, presented by Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I met Sharon Thormelin at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival a few years ago. As in 2020, the festival also took place online again this year. But this year, Kathy D'Angelo, the festival's director, created an online experience that allowed festival goers to meet up with friends online. There was also a virtual vendor hall that allowed the vendors to chat with festival goers and to take us around their workshops. I have a video from the Thormalin vendor booth in the show notes where Dave takes us around his workshop and Sharon discusses their harps and her sheet music, all that's for sale on their website. Sharon started out playing folk music on the guitar, and later, when her band needed a bass player, she took up the upright bass that she played in the band The Swing Beans with her husband Dave. I'll play you some of The Swing Beans a little later in the interview. They're a lot of fun. And Sharon and I discussed how the harp came into her life and how she's used it in music therapy as well. Sharon also gets to be the first person to play every newly built Thormalin harp. She strings every harp that Dave makes, helping the new harps find their voices. Sharon's compositions for the harp are available on the Thormalin website. Right now we're listening to Sharon play her composition Alpenglow from her songbook moon over the mountain and how could i not play a song from the songbook moon over the mountain on the moon over the trees harp song podcast sharon's newest book melodias del arpa which are arrangements of latin american music for lover harp is a collaboration with paraguayan harpist nicholas carter check out my interview with nicholas carter from Season 1, Episode 11 of the podcast. I hope this interview inspires you to create and to play and to explore. And speaking of journeys and exploring, I'm putting together a project where I am gathering stories from harpists from around the world to share your stories about how you found the harp and how it it inspires you and what routes and roads and adventures it's taken you on so if you'd like to be a part of that please send me your story to info at moonoverthetrees.com Again, that's info at moonoverthetrees.com, and I'll be putting together a blog post and hopefully interviewing some of you to for a podcast episode. So again, um, any inspiration that you have from the harp and 
and the journey that it's taken you on and the people that it's allowed you to meet. So enjoy my fun chat with Sharon Thormelin. Thank you so much for being with me here today on Harp Song. And I just love seeing you. I miss seeing you at Somerset. And hopefully I'll see you next year when we're back in person. But um, I'm just so happy that you're here today with me. Thank you for having me, Maureen. This is great. Oh. Glad to be a part of your podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've, I've listened to quite a few of them, in fact. Oh, thank you so much. And um, I'm loving the Folk Harp Journal that, that you are um, one of the editors of. Um, maybe we can... Well, not not really. Oh. It's it's really Beth Stockdale that does that. Yeah, she's doing a great job. She has a lot of people that work with her. I'm not really one of them, though. I am on the board, but not really working for the folk for the folk harp journal anybody doesn't have an issue of it you should really go out and and join because there's so much music like sheet music and tips and ads for amazing harp and harp harpists and it's just it's an incredible resource so thanks for being involved with that it's wonderful yes it is i do submit articles so that is always nice to do and i'm working on one right now about strings Oh, so the first one I'm hoping will be about organizing your strings. That's a really useful one. (laughs) Yeah. When you're making the harps at Thormalin Harps, um, you are the first one who gets to play the harps. Like you string the harps as well. I do. So yes. What is that like being the first person to play the harp when it comes off of the uh, when when Dave is done making them? I love it because I get to practice all my tunes that I'm doing and, you know, just play around for uh, as long as I want on the harps and not have to feel like I'm um, like I'm playing around, <laughs> but I'm actually working. All right. Um, I, I, I yeah. do have a question for you from Maeve Gilchrist, um, who is an avid lover oh. of your harps. Um, she wanted to know what yeah. you think makes the Kaylee harp that that you make um such a special harp like she loves the sound of it and she's you know she wanted to know your opinion on on why it's taken off um in the way that it has well it's really amazing isn't it you know it took dave quite a while to come around to the fact that this was what we think the best harp that we've ever made Mm. we we actually think it's just the best harp out there (laughs) but um I think that it's a combination of the string lengths, the string angle, and the material that the harp is built out of. So, uh, Maeve, that is the reason. <laughs> it is and a gorgeous I, I think one harp. of the reasons that, that the harp has taken off is, you know, potentially because Maeve plays it. And it just sounds so fabulous. Mm. Yeah, her, her last album, yeah. The Harp Weaver. It was gorgeous. Um gorgeous sounding on that album i i guess i i think Maeve was probably the first person i saw playing the harp standing up and like you and dave helped come up with um a way to i guess the stand screws into the bottom of the harp so you can stand while playing it it does well what it does dave puts a what we call a donut on the bottom of the harp and uh we we screw that into the bottom of the harp and then the stand fits into that and the stand is a um, a snare drum stand, oh. and we buy them from a drum company 
And then Dave has to kind of take off some of the parts that we don't need and make it just the stand with the telescoping thing <laughs> that you put in, in the harp, in the hole of the donut. Mm. And that's, you know, what makes the harp, you can make it higher or lower with that, taller or shorter. That's brilliant. With that. And then the legs splay out. Yeah, it really was. Because yeah, there's so many harpists. It's a great stand. I don't think my harp. Yeah, the harp I have here doesn't have a donut on it. Mm. But, but it um, does have that beautiful the inlay one that, that I have in the studio. Does. Oh right. Yes, it does. In front of it, although you can't see it here. But but if they go on your website, uh, the Thormalin website, or even at the Somerset Square, um, you have a beautiful video where you show the inlay, and I. Th- believe the inlay pattern came from was it from a mandolin that you found or um it's like a vintage pattern that well they are some vintage patterns that are made by a company that's just down the road from us and they're made in vietnam the owner of the company lives in vietnam and uh his son's run the company here near Eugene. And so they make all of these patterns and we buy the inlay and then Dave puts it in. Beautiful. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of work to put them in. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. He routes out the space for it and then he puts the inlay in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I do want to talk to you about your musical journey. So you started playing the guitar when you were yeah. 12 and then... What really got you into to folk music or your influences, you know, how you started with your music? Yeah, well, you know, I just wanted to strum the guitar and play chords and sing. That was sort of what got me into playing music. And I got to do a lot of that around the campfire. My family went camping a lot. And so we did that around the campfire. My dad played mandolin. So did my mom. So we played a lot of music and I would sit around the house you know when we were home with my cousins and we would sing we would lip sync to records that we had and uh, I would often sit with my records and play them and write down the words because we didn't have google at that time to just google the words so you played a little bit of it and you'd write them down and then you'd have to pick up the needle and put it back down a little further along write down the words And, you know, you just kept on doing that. And the first song that I did that to was Someday Soon by Judy Collins. Mm. I don't know if you know that song. Yeah, yeah. I love Judy Collins. But anyway, so a lot of the other music that I liked at that time were like the Kingston Trio and uh, Joan Baez. Joni Mitchell was a big one for me. Mm. The Birds. Right. um, The Eagles. Yeah. And so Peaceful, easy feeling. And you yeah. learned a lot of it by ear, um, the music that you were picking I up. I did. And then you picked up the right. bass a yeah. little bit later, I too? I did. In my 30s, I picked up the bass. Uh, we, Dave and I, I met Dave. I, I had a previous life before Dave, but I moved to Corvallis in 1984 and met him uh, shortly after I moved here. And we were doing a little duo. And we thought, boy, it sure would be nice to have a bass player. <laughs> I was playing guitar. He was playing mandolin. And um, we found somebody and we were playing in the living room. This was just the first time he came over and it sounded, you know, it was, I thought it was going to just be great. And as he was leaving, he said, well, you know, I'm moving to Walla Walla. (laughs) And can I leave my bass with you? (laughs) (laughs) 
And I said, sure. So he was only going to leave it for a few weeks. It turned into quite a few months. Hmm. And within that time, I pulled it out and started playing it. Uh, Dave and I went to Weezer um, Fiddle Camp over in Idaho and Tammy Fassart, who played bass for, um, I think it was for the Lori Lewis Bluegrass Band, was there, and she gave me some lessons. And then I would go up to the Puget Sound Guitar Workshop, and I got lessons from uh, Carrie Black. And uh, so then we needed a guitar player, because now I'm playing bass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Lentil Bean, and uh, the whole story about that. But And then we got a fiddle player, and we formed the Swing Beans. Mm. Let's listen to a track from the Swing Beans album, Groovin' in the Garden. This is You Ought to See My Baby, written and sung by Sharon. You ought to see my baby, he sure is fine.
awesome. I, I love the name of the band, the the Swing Beans. That's really cute. <laughs> yes. And you also yes, have- it was fun. We traveled all over Oregon. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. And California. Yeah. Awesome. And then um, you have the ThorHarp.combo also? Is that just, that's just yeah, you and that Dave? Yeah, that was Dave. An attempt that Dave and I had at, at having a name for our new duo, which is now Harp. And he plays guitar and mandolin and sometimes a little banjo, a little four string banjo. Awesome. But um, yeah, we were trying to be cute there with Thorharp dot combo. <laughs> it's cute. But it hasn't really stuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um and then So we mostly go by David. Oh that yeah, that works too. Um and and then how did so you start started writing your own songs around that time also for the band for the swing beans? Right. There's a lot of original music that you that you do or did with that band. There are. Yes. Yes. I've always written music. Uh, probably the first one I did when I was about 13 or 14, I wrote a song with my cousin. And um, it was all about having a time out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I hardly even remember what it was about, but it was, you know, sitting on a on a stool because you broke the golden rule. I remember those words. <laughs> and I would, I was always writing songs. You know, I was inspired by uh, James Taylor. And, uh, you know, I, like I would be learning one of his songs and I would either make a mistake or I would just go, you know, what if it went here instead? And from that, I would just weave a new song. That's cool. And so I, I was always writing songs. That's amazing. And mostly with words and singing. And I did that a lot in the Swing Beans. Now I mostly play melody. Mm. We'll go back to your songwriting because I totally want to talk about all your, um, the music that you're writing for, uh, for the harp, especially. So, um, and you have yeah. a new book out that I'd love for you to talk to the audience about. Yeah. So now I write more melodies than songs. There still are a few songs that I've written in, in my books that I have words to, but not very many, mostly it's melodies. And I just love writing melodies. They're so, so much to explore in that. And uh, yeah, so my new book beneath the pines is a combination of a few things. Like one of them was that I broke my leg in 2019 and I sat on the couch with a little harpsicle cause that's all I could hold in my arms and um, wrote uh, three or four tunes in the book. Let's see, there's one called Break a Leg, and there's one called The Squiggle Walk Jig, and then Back on My Feet Again. Those were all songs I wrote on the couch. And uh, I think that they are also mostly 6-8 tunes. I was 68, turning 69, and so my challenge that year was that I wanted to write some 6-8 tunes. I thought that would be fun. And then the other um, part of this book was a trip that I took with um, Becky and Al Shemansky. Dave and I both went um, to Princess Louisa on a sailboat. And uh, I brought that same harpsicle on my on the trip and wrote uh, three or four songs. Let's see, there was um, Buscando Ballenas. Uh, the Winter Owl, and Harmony Island. Those were the three songs. But uh, connected to that trip was Dave and I were bringing 
um, a harp, a prototype harp that he had made for a group of luthiers from Cuba. They're called the Guayabos. And there's a group of luthiers in Canada that are very connected to that group of luthiers in Cuba. So we were bringing the harp to the Canadians because they, uh, a couple of them were going to be going to Cuba and they were going to take it down to them. Wow. To um, preface this, Dave and I took a trip to Cuba in 2017, I think it was, and we met these luthiers and they wanted to learn how to build harps. There were only about four harps in Cuba. Wow. And we actually were walking by an art studio in Havana, and there was a woman playing a big Russian pedal harp Wow! in the studio. Hmm. So we, yeah, I know. The there, there's one of the four harps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we stopped and talked with her for a while. And also, Alfredo had th- the other four harpists, or however many, they did um, a concert at the big theater in Havana, and Alfredo went there to see it. He's actually from Cuba, but grew up in uh, Venezuela. So it was a really neat thing for Alfredo to get to go there to Cuba and see this group put yes. on a concert of his music. That's incredible. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, for any of the listeners not familiar with okay. um, Alfredo Orlando Ortiz, he's just an amazing first of all he's just an amazing person and he plays at Venice the Venezuelan style harp but he is from Cuba and I know he's done a lot to bring the harp to um, Puerto Rico and I and to to Cuba too so um, he's always giving and teaching and just an incredible person so yeah so Buscando Ballenas was a song I wrote we we actually were watching whales or looking for whales while we were in the in the water there in Canada and we did see some so that that was pretty cool and so I gave it the Spanish name because it has a Spanish flavor to it Mm. and we were doing this whole thing with the Cubans so kind of put that together with uh with that song and um, I've also been learning a lot of music from Nicholas Carter. I've been uh, involved in some um, workshops that he's doing online and learning some more music. So we are planning a second book. Mm. The first book was called Melodias del Arpa. And our second book is going to be called Melodias del Alma, which is Melodies of the Soul. Mm. Oh, beautiful. And so far we have, I think, six tunes already for that one and we'll be adding another six or so yeah i'm excited about that so that will be my next book awesome and if people want to find them um where can they find your books well www.thorharp.com would be the website and then up in the right hand corner there's a link that says music and you can go to that link and all my books are listed there the new books are at the top, and then below that, they're in categories of traditional music, um, holiday music, and my originals. And then each of those have a separate web page that you can go to and there's from that reco- page. There's recordings that go with um, the books as well, right? If people can get the book and a recording. Right, yes. That's such a great idea. And it's a digital recording that my computer did because it would be difficult for me to play all the tunes 
in a studio, it would be expensive. So I just let my computer play it on the harp setting. Perfect. So it works. It's just a learning tool. They're nice to listen to. Hmm. And uh, sometimes, so I put them on CDs, but sometimes the CDs don't play in all CD players. So I can send MP3s through email. Excellent. That's such a great learning tool. So people yeah. can, yeah. And then- Especially in those, uh, those Latin tunes. It's really good to be able to listen to those because the rhythms are Definitely. a little more difficult. They're not really difficult to play, but they're difficult to figure out from the music. And if you just can hear it, then it's easier to play. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Especially if you're not used to those kind of rhythms and all, like any of the syncopations, it definitely helps. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I do want to talk to you about Thormalin Harps and just how the history of the company, how did that get formed? How did... You know, you're playing folk music, you playing the guitar and the bass, and then where'd the harp come into that? Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> well, Dave was, this was before I met him. He was studying geology at OSU here in Corvallis, Oregon State University, and they have a craft center. Let me back up just a little bit more. When he was about 16 years old, he was playing, the, he, that's when he started playing mandolin. And there was a store down the street from him, Griffin Music, in the Bay Area. And he would go down there and play at the jams. And he would see that people are actually repairing these instruments and they're making instruments. So that was the first time he went, wow, people actually make these. So when he then went to the craft center, he um, started making hammered dulcimers and a few mandolins. And they asked him to teach a class in instrument building. Hmm. And in that first class, a guy came in and wanted to build a harp. And so that was the first harp that he, he pretty much built it because the guy who came in needed a lot of help with it. Hmm. So it, it really rested on Dave to finish it up and make it happen. But there was also a band in town that played at the local uh, cafe and um, it was called the Butler Green Band, and they had a harp in there. And Dave would go down and listen to them play, and he was pretty enamored with the harp. Wow. So all these different things were coming together through this craft center class. So he kept building harps, and the harps kept selling. Hmm. So he just kept building harps. And in 1996, we went to the um, harp festival in Tacoma. It was an uh, uh, ISFHC, the International Society of Folk Harpers and Craftsmen, who do the Folk Harp Journal. It was uh, put on by them. And um, that was where he connected with Sylvia Woods, where she wanted to then sell his harps in her store. It was also where I was watching the concerts there. And just like I did with the guitar in when I was 12, seeing somebody play the guitar and going, I want to do that. I was watching them play the harp. And I said the same thing. I said, I want to do that. And so our daughter, who was four, went to to grade school. And so it opened the door for me to um, have that space to take lessons. Mm. And we also weren't doing the swing beans anymore. Uh, Having a child and going on the road, I don't know how Grania and William do it with two kids. But we decided it wasn't worth it to us. We stopped doing the swing beans and other things were going on with some of the other members of the band as well. But um, but when she went to grade school, I started taking lessons with Laura Czar. And that was spectacular. 
and that was in 1996. And then uh, just a little other piece of information there. In 1997, my mom called and said that my dad had had a um, was in a coma. Oh. And so I went there with a little harp that Laura lo- loaned me. I think it was a Stony End harp. And I went down there with the harp and played for him. And he came out of his coma. Wow. For about four days. And yeah, it was really something. And I played a lot of songs that he played on the mandolin, like Roll Out the Barrel and I've Been Working on the Railroad and things like that. Mm. And so it was it was a pretty neat experience. And when I went home, I got home and I called my mom to tell her that I got home. And she said, well, dad died that afternoon. Oh, I'm so sorry. So and then the next day or so that week, I went to our local hospice and said, you know, I'd like to play for hospice patients. Hmm. And so I did that for a while. And then I learned about the Music for Healing Transition program. And uh, the hospice helped put me through that program. So I got it certified. That's a beautiful gift to give people. Yes, it's really amazing to play for people that are ill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their families. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it really is healing. And there, there's something about the harp that yeah. I don't know what, what it is, but it, it, most people that I talk to who started playing the harp have this sort of like, a, they're attracted to it in, in an inexplicable way and they just fall in love with it. And, and it just, for, for me, and I'm I sure know. for you, it's just taking on this magical journey, you know? It really is. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's like you hug the instrument when you play it mm. and the vibrations that you feel from it are, uh, you know, they, they just, it's an inner massage, an inner body massage. And it's definitely forgiving to beginners, you know, so it's, you know, much more pleasant than a beginner yeah. on the violin or the trumpet. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. I remember Dave got a violin once and he was playing it and I said, let me try it. So I picked it up and I'm putting it, you know, I put the bow to the strings and I'm playing it. And I said, this is not therapeutic. (laughs) (laughs) So so Dave builds the harps and then you are given the harps to put the strings on. So you're the first person who gets to play these harps. Yes. Um, so what is that experience like? Yes. Well, it's, you know, the harps, they open up as you play them. And and I can f- hear it or feel it. I don't know what it is. I can see it happening. Hmm. You know, a harp is kind of a closed box to start with. And when those strings start vibrating against that box, something happens and you can hear the change in the sound. Hmm. So it, it's really a magical experience to open up a harp. Yeah, and I, and I do it over and over and over again. That's awesome. So it, it's fun. I've heard that sometimes they take guitars, brand new guitars, and they'll strap them to a, a speaker and play music through the guitar so that it vibrates and that opens up the guitar. We've oh. never done that with the harps, but... Wow, I've they never do heard that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a luthier information. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I was talking to Ann Heyman, <laughs> um, Ann Heyman had a story about um, 
the luthiers. I in, read it. Yeah. Um, and, and how they would um, put the strings on and then it would, she was talking about the duality of the harp, like the male and the female of the harp and that the, the sound box is the female of the harp, you know, part of the harp where it almost, it swells like a, like a belly almost. And then the person who's stringing mm. it, um, they were given the harp and they would play it and play it until it was ready to be given um, to whoever it was meant for. Um, and that was traditionally on St. Bridget's Day. And it was like birthing a harp mm. or being a midwife to the harp to get it like out into the world. So I just thought that was like a really cool image of getting giving the harp its voice to send it out into the world. You've got a ton of workshops that you're that you have available. I know you have one that is legendary with some harp players. It's like, you know, becoming friends with the metronome that a lot of people are terrified of the metronome when they're playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the metronome. I think it's it's like having a drummer on the side. Yeah, yeah. It is sometimes hard to um yeah, to play with. Dave and I will do that sometimes to slow us down because sometimes we get so excited about the music that we just speed up. Mm. So the metronome will help us slow down. Definitely. There was one time we were playing together and there was so much syncopation in the music that I was playing on the off beats and he was playing on the on beats. And so it was like, Oh, we can't do this with the metronome because <laughs> we kept getting off. We kept getting off from each other. Yeah. It was oh, funny. Yeah. Well, I, I know like performance and, you know, when you get nervous about a performance, you always like speed up. So it is sometimes better to practice slower because once you're on stage, everything gets twice as fast. <laughs> yeah, we even practice speeding up and finding the place in the music where we can slow it back down. Mm. You know, we get we get to going so fast and we go, OK, right here. This is where we can slow it back down. And we practice that. All oh, right. That's a good idea. I met you at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival. Um, this will be the second year that it's also online. But um, I know Kathy put yes. together a really interesting interactive um, experience for, especially for um, for the luthiers and, you know, um, the other booths that are normally in person. So, um, so what did you put together for people that they can expect to see on on uh, on that page when they go to visit you? Well, we have a section of the harps. I found different places on YouTube that have the pe where people play our harps. So like Tiffany Schaefer, who plays a Kaylee, I have her playing for the Kaylee. Joanna Mill has one of our Claire's and she also has a swan. So she's playing those two harps. And then there's somebody who plays a serenade and then somebody who plays a signet. Mm. And so you can look at each harp and hear them played. And then I have, I'll have a section for my books, which will be divided into four segments. There'll be originals, duet, uh, traditional. I think the Latin will be in the traditional and then the holiday music. Mm. And then there'll be um, a place where I will be kind of hanging out and you can come and talk with me and then a place where you can uh, peruse our website. Excellent. I know it's, it's, it's strange, but I think it's just it kind of opens you up to more people around the world for them to, um, to Absolutely. discover. Like we said earlier, the, the Kaylee is definitely taking off. Um, I mean, all of your harps are just absolutely gorgeous. How many models do you Thank have you. now? Five. Five. Lawn, types of wood. Signet, the Claire. 
the serenade and the Kaylee. So the serenade and the signet are the same harp, except one is made out of solid wood. Like you can get cherry, maple, walnut, koa, and the so that's the signet, and the serenade is made out of a laminate. And then the same thing with the Kaylee and the Claire. The Claire is made out of solid wood, and the Kaylee is made out of the laminate. The swan is just of its own. We don't have a, a laminate swan. Hmm. <laughs> um, but the Kaylee is great, especially when you're playing sessions. You want a harp that's nice and bright that can kind of cut through and people can hear and, and, um, that's right. Yeah. And that definitely has that. It's loud and it's light. Mm. It's bright that you can get other strings on the Kaylee. The fluorocarbon strings are really what make it the brightest. And I love that sound. Mm. Uh, but you can get nylon or folk gut. All of our harps can be strung in any of the three stringings. The solid wood harps can also be strung in concert gut, mm. but not the laminate, because the the, the uh, sound box of the laminate it, it's it's laminate all the way around. So the sound box, the sound board, being a laminate is a little thinner than the what we make the solid wood sound boards out of, which is why it's louder and lighter mm. and all that. So um, we don't want to put the the higher tension concert gut strings on there oh that definitely makes sense yeah but the folk gut strings are fine so the international society of folk harpers and craftsmen that's um you mentioned that earlier and um how did you get in involved with them i mean i know that you went to their um their their gathering but um maybe you could talk a little bit about what they do and and um yeah well they had been doing conferences Every other year, they've had them in San Diego, Monterey, Galveston, in St. Louis, uh, Tacoma. I, I couldn't name them all. I don't know how many they uh, there actually were. But um, when Somerset started and then the Southeastern Harp Weekend was going on and the Ohio gathering, the ISFHC decided that they didn't really need to do a, a harp conference anymore. The last one we did was in St. Louis. Hmm. Oh, Big Sky was another one that we did. And how did I get involved? I really don't know how I started. I guess Dave Woodworth ran for president. Somewhere along the line, I ran, ran for board member and got on the board. And I've been on it ever since, actually. And we mostly these days, we do the folk harp journal. We have also instigated insurance that people can get. So, um, and it's called Anderson uh, Insurance. You can get that for your harps through. It's not really getting it through the ISFHC, but I think someone in the on the board at one point helped Anderson put together a package for mm. uh, members of ISFHC. There's chapters, so people who have harp circles, mm. you can be a chapter, and new chapters get a startup pay of a hundred dollars that they can do with whatever they need to oh, for their great. chapter. And we put out a directory uh, every so often. We're working on that right now. And this year will be the first online directory that we do. Oh, wow. So usually they've been paper oh, copies, wow. but oh. we're going to do it online this time. Excellent. The um, insurance that um, your members can get is actually some of the most reasonable um, insurance for your, your harp that you yeah. can get with like 
fantastic coverage. So I would encourage any, everybody to great. join the Folk Harp Journal and learn all these amazing things and get, you know, really reasonable insurance on your instrument. You join the um, International Society of Folk Harpers and Craftsmen, the journalist put out by that organization. Uh, and our website, I think, is www.folksociety.com. Uh, could be .org. Anyway, um, look up ISFHC and you'll find it. And it's only $30 a year mm. for um, United States. I don't think it's much more for international, maybe $32. And you get four folk harp journals a, a year. And like, like you said, it's just chock full of music and articles and, you know, technique things. Mm. So it's, it's an advertising. That's really a, a fun way to look to look at what is out there. You know, if you're looking for a new harp, there's ads and you can see all the companies that sell harps. You can see people who sell music, people who sell strings, mm. uh, whatever, harp stands. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously grown so much. People loving the harp. How have you seen that that growth or experienced that growth? Well, a lot of what we see is an a mature population involved in the harp. We don't see as many young people, but you know, there it's starting, I think, to be more young people taking up the harp. But um I think that it's a lot of older people taking it up and it's such a good thing to do mm. because it really stretches your brain. It makes all those synapses work in your brain and uh, help you not to forget things. And uh yeah, it's a great thing to take up you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's something to do and it's fun. Oh, definitely And is. not that hard to make good sounds. That is true. <laughs> a mistake yeah. on the harp is, yeah. it still sounds beautiful. <laughs> it's a pretty mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were you also building guitars too? Dave? Yeah. Yeah, he builds guitars, mandolins. And uh, ukuleles. Oh, cool. He's building a lot of ukuleles. And so much of what he builds is from the leftover wood from the harps. Oh, cool. So he'll be cutting out a harp and he's got this piece of wood that he can't build another harp out of. But what could he build out of it? Oh, that's just enough wood for a ukulele. Huh. So he's doing a lot of ukuleles. That's awesome. And, and they're selling. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not expensive. I'll tell you that. If you want a ukulele... You should get a Thormal and ukulele because he's, you know, they're six hundred to eight hundred dollars, maybe it maybe as much as a, a thousand for some of them. But mm. you can, if you look in the stores, you know, they're fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars. Oh sure. So if you want a ukulele, he makes yeah. all sizes. Awesome. Get your Thormal and ukulele. That's cool. You know, it's gonna <laughs> sound amazing and be made really, really well too. So all your instruments are just so beautiful and they have such a beautiful voice too so martha gallagher's husband dennis has one of dave's guitars oh right yeah, yeah. he built it directly for him oh, yeah cool. that's awesome so that was really nice yeah sharon thank you so much for being here with me today <laughs> um through our technical difficulties oh, it's been so much fun maureen <laughs> Thank you. And um, I look forward to seeing you soon and hearing more of your harps as they spread throughout the world <laughs> and your music. So thank yes, you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. 